This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now, here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Psalm chapter 49. There is a parable told by Jesus, recorded in the Gospel of Luke, that illustrates how the value of a person's life does not amount to the abundance of their possessions. It's often referred to as the parable of the rich fool. It can be found in Luke 12, verses 13 to 21. The story begins with, a wealthy man whose land produced a remarkable return on investment. In fact, it yielded so much profit that he didn't have room to store it all. And so as he sat back and looked at all of his surplus, he thought to himself, what I need to do now is tear down my barns and build bigger ones so that I can store all my stuff. This may look fine on the surface, But his next words reveal his motivation and reveal ultimately where his heart trusted. He said to himself, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And at that very point in the story, the voice of God breaks into the narrative and says to the man, Fool, this night... Your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Then Jesus explained the purpose of the parable. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What made this man, this rich man, a fool was not that he was rich, It wasn't that he yielded a great return on his investment. It wasn't even that he had a lot of things. The heart of the problem was the problem with his heart. He was not rich toward God. And as you think through the story again, you'll notice well, he never gave thanks to the Lord for all that he'd been given. His ego is exposed. He refers to himself using the pronouns I and my Ten times in this very brief parable. And ultimately, his foolish heart trusted in blessings rather than the Lord of every blessing. And as you heard this parable, perhaps this was the first time you've heard this parable. Or the hundredth. I wonder how you walk away from it. Do you hear it just as a lesson for people in biblical times? Or would you listen to it as though there was a warning in it for your own soul? Just like there was a serpent slithering through the Garden of Eden, whispering foolishly to trust in the wisdom of man rather than the Word of God. Friends, there is a dragon that walks the streets of Collin County, constantly whispering in each of our ears, if you only had a little bit 
more, then you would live the good life. And this serpent hisses through advertising campaigns, trying to get us to believe the lie that we are what we own. This dragon is called materialism, and it looks to make fools of us all. Yet, the voice of truth reminds us, a forgetful people, that there is a peace that a $50,000 commission cannot buy. There is a joy deeper than a new home would ever possibly bring. In fact, money cannot solve our greatest problem. Nothing can but God alone. Are you trusting in God or money? Our passage today is like a commentary. Uh, Normally when we think about the Old and New Testament, it's often a New Testament passage that helps provide light on Old Testament texts. But James Montgomery Boyce says, this passage, Psalm 49, is like a commentary on the parable of the rich fool, which I just shared with you. We find in Psalm 49 a song filled with wisdom, teaching us where to and where not to find our worth. It contrasts two ways to live and die. And here we learn the futility of trusting in wealth and the blessedness of trusting in Christ. So I pray that each of us would hear through the lyrics of this song that our worth is not found in what we own. Our worth is not found in anything that we've done. Our true worth is found in Christ alone. We'll divide the chapter into three sections. First, a call to all. Second, the great divide of death. And third, an exhortation to us to trust in the Lord. So we have our heading. Would you stand with me as we read Psalm chapter 49? Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding, and I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble, when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence, yet after them people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. 
Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. The first thing we find in verses 1 to 6 is a call to all. The opening lines sound like a town crier running through the streets with urgent news to share with anyone who would listen. He invites all people from every part of the world to lend him their ear. The audience of this message is both low people who have a humble position in life and high people who are in positions of power. He calls both the rich who flourish with more than they will ever need and also the poor who survive hand to mouth from paycheck to paycheck. Everyone up and down the social classes are summoned to listen. And so what is the nature of this all-important news that all people are supposed to give their undivided attention? The message is a cry for people to walk in spiritual wisdom, particularly when it comes to possessions and money. Yet it's even broader than that. It's a call for people to walk in wisdom in all of life and to approach all of life from God's perspective, not worldly wisdom. This is a wisdom psalm that is meant to make us wise. That's why the language sounds more like the book of Proverbs than what we've become accustomed to reading in the book of Psalms. As a matter of fact, these opening verses echo a lot of the language from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. The words wisdom and understanding are applied to those who are walking in the way of the wise. They're used to describe those who have faith in God. We also learn that this song is a sort of sung proverb. It even includes a riddle. Um, a riddle just means there's going to be a question that it asks. That riddle is found in verses 5 and 6. Look at it with me. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? That's the question. That's the riddle. The rest of the song answers that question. It also provides some context for what the songwriter is going through. It's a time of trouble. He finds himself surrounded by godless, sinful people who trust in their gold rather than God. They also live to boast. You see that? They live to boast and to tell of all the things they've accumulated and all that they've accomplished. It's an important opening. It's an important call 
And it reminds us that everyone who has heard this passage, I'm, I'm trying to look around the room. You should all be on leaning in on the front of your seats by now. Whether low or high, rich or poor, young or old, this passage has something to say to you. Do you ever flip through the news and wonder why is it that godless people seem to succeed in every sphere of life? CEOs, presidents, kings of nations, godless people prosper. Listen up then. And are you ever tempted to Trust in a created thing rather than the uncreated one? Do you ever check your bank account and then feel a sense of peace that comes over you? Like, I'm going to make it. Lean in. Learn how this riddle is solved and why you really should not fear in times of trouble. You have a reason far more expansive than what wealth could buy. This is a call to all The second section of the song describes the great divide of death. We're looking at verses 7 to 15 under this heading, the great divide of death. And here's where the answer to the riddle begins. There are three incredibly important truths that shape the main idea of this psalm. Truths that are meant to make us wise. The first important truth is this, the certainty of death. Verses 7 to 12. And there is a grave tone that sings throughout this psalm, beginning with verse 7, as it causes each person to face the music and realize the day will come where you will surely die. The day will come where you will surely die. Of course, we know why death exists, because of Scripture teaches us. Genesis 3.19 tells us that death came as the result of the fall. Mankind was not made to experience pain or anxiety or sickness. But because of the fall, those are realities that are weights on us every day. And the greatest pain is death. And we learn in verses 7 to 9, well, you can't trade places with someone who's about to come to death. You can't ransom the life of another. You can't pay your way through it. No amount of money that we might offer could buy five more minutes. There's nothing we can do to spare the sting of the grave. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once, and then the judgment. Verses 10-12 through remind us that both the wise and the fool will come to the end of their lives. And they will take nothing with them. No possession on earth is taken to the other side. Like all other created things on earth that live, eventually die, the first truth teaches us the certainty of death. The second important truth is the foolishness of trusting in riches. Verses 13 and 14. And let me be crystal clear as we enter this section The Bible is not teaching against riches. It's teaching against the attitude of self-sufficiency and self-confidence that often come with having riches. 
So remember, this song is addressing everyone, regardless of what tax bracket you may fall in. By the way, I'm talking to a room full of rich people. If you're wondering, who are these rich people that the Bible's talking about? Look around. It's you. Guys, historically and geographically, we are the wealthiest people in the world. And so, as you think, don't think, oh my goodness, I've got all these bills coming in. Certainly, I'm not the rich person. You are the rich person. So this warning is to us, the foolishness of trusting in riches. Is it against having things? No. But trusting in those things. These people are full of foolish confidence, like the rich fool we read of earlier. They pride themselves in all they've accomplished, boast in the life that they've built for themselves, and then surround them with a bunch of godless, sinful people that agree with everything they do and just cheer them on along the way. Doesn't that sound like our culture? Ultimately, verse 14 says, like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Now, um, that is the proper name in the Old Testament for hell. It can mean other things as well, but here, the immediate context, it's describing hell. It's describing eternal separation from God. We read in Psalm 23 that the Lord is the shepherd of his people. We're greatly comforted by that. Here, notice, death will be the shepherd of these godless, foolish people. The lesson here is the utter foolishness of trusting in things like the housing market or the bond market or any of our man-made plans, of trusting in anything other than God. Well, and just when you think things couldn't get any darker, reminding us so far that all of us will die, there's no way of escape, and uh, the foolishness of trusting in anything around us, welcome to Sunday morning, everybody. <laughs> Isn't this why you came to church? Partly so, but there's more to it. And it's at this dark moment in the song that a bright ray of light pierces through the darkness and washes everything in hope. Did you read that in verse 15? The hinge of verse 15 is one of the most hope-filled, gospel-saturated passages in the Old Testament. But God... How many times in the New Testament does Paul hinge everything on a phrase like that? And here we find it embedded in the Psalms. Look at all the darkness. But God, hope rushes on to the scene. The third important and most glorious truth I want to highlight in this second section is the redemption found in Christ. That's what verse 15 is getting at. All people may share in the experience of death, but there are two vastly different ways to die. The first way has been explained already. It can be described as dying apart from trust in God. But there's another way to die. There's a way to face the wave of death with steadfast hope and confidence This confidence is meant for all of those who trust in the Lord. It involves complete redemption. It includes the promise of being in the presence of God forever. That's all right here. Did you see it? Look with me. Listen to the hope of verse 15. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol. 
God will ransom my soul from the power of hell. While money cannot ransom, the word ransom means to buy back. And it is, isn't it amazing? Money can do everything. It can buy you anything but what you cannot afford. And what's so precious here, even money cannot afford. Money is not the solution to this ransom, but God is. While money cannot ransom a soul from death, nor any work earn redemption from our sin, God can completely redeem and ransom our souls. In fact, that's exactly what he's done in Christ. This promise of hope, printed on a page of the Old Testament, will eventually be fulfilled in Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says this, For the Son of Man, that's a title of Christ, Jesus Christ, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we just sang, Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for sin. The song continues with this great hope. It goes on to say, for he will receive me. The word receive is far more positive than it may sound to our ears. It's the same word used in Genesis 5.24 to describe a man called Enoch. And there Moses writes, Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. It's the same word here. For he will take me. Not because of anything that we own. Not because of anything that we've done. But based completely on the merit of what God has done in our place. On our behalf. This is really good news. God has done for us a bunch of materialistic, fallen, sinful people what we could never do on our own. And putting all this together, we have an Old Testament vision of life after death. There is a great division that happens in death. Those who trust in anything other than God go to a real place called hell and are eternally separated from him. But those who trust in the Lord will be redeemed and received by the love of God eternally. I want to pause here and point out to anyone who may feel, even in this moment, a great conviction of sin or, or worry to even talk about things like death and guilt before a holy God. Perhaps the, death, uh, the conversation of death causes you to shake to the bone or uh, fills you with grief because a, a loved one has recently passed. But friends, there's no uh, polishing up the reality of death. And if your appointed time to die was at this very moment, you know that there's no price you could pay or nothing you could do to make yourself acceptable before God. This is why you need a savior. Your sin is great. The Savior, Jesus Christ, is far greater. And there's a great divide between you and God because of your sin. But God in love sent his one and only son to pay the price for your sin. And Jesus did that by living in your place. A sinless life in the place of a sinner. And then he died in your place. Again, taking the place of what you deserved. 
And so the Bible's very clear. The only way to experience life through death is by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I plead with you, don't let one moment pass. You are not promised the next moment of this day. Call upon Christ even now. Repent of your sin and look to him alone who can save you, who can pay for your sins, and who is ready and willing and able. Um, There is a great divide of death. We see this right here in Psalm 49. The final verses of our passage include an exhortation for us to trust in the Lord. That siren was ringing of this exhortation. (laughs) An exhortation for us to trust in the Lord, verses 16 through 20. And we're really only going to hone in on the first part of 16 to 20. Everything else that's covered has already been covered in the psalm. It just doesn't want us to get away from it, to remember it. But as we think about these final verses, there's a couple of different people I want to address. The first is the person who is fearful. As you look at headlines that pass through your newsfeed every day, and you see godless people winning in almost every sphere of life, this passage says to you, be not afraid. If that's you, just circle or highlight that in your Bible. Be not afraid. You don't have to fear in life. You don't even have to fear death because you know the one who is sovereign over life and death itself. The comforts given to people who trust in God are stronger than the greatest powers in the world. And we don't have to be afraid. The second person I want to address is the person who is in Christ, yet you still feel the pull of materialism. Uh, You feel a struggle uh, to find your sense of identity, of wealth in the things that you own or the things that you've earned or where you get a paycheck or even from other things. Things that are good things but less than God. Things like a relationship with another person or... um, any way you, you would see to try to validate yourself to find worth. And I want to remind you, through the lyrics of this song that we've studied, to look for worth not in what you own, to look for worth not in anything that you've done, but to find your worth in Christ. Think back with me to the parable of the rich fool for a moment, and let's think about where he went wrong. Was he wrong to own this field? No. Was he wrong to create this great profit from it? No. Was he wrong to even, uh, I'm talking to a bunch of people who've probably sold a house and bought a bigger one in the last 10 years. Was it wrong to do that? Maybe, but probably not. I want to think together on how we can apply this passage because, friends, we don't want to walk into the foolishness of this world but in the wisdom of God, particularly in an area that is addressed in the teaching of Scripture again and again the area of money and trust. Here's what we said earlier. Where did the rich fool go wrong? Well, he didn't acknowledge or give thanks to the Lord as the giver of every good gift. Remember, he took all of that wealth and just turned it in on himself, sitting on a big pile of money. He was self-centered. And then ultimately, he trusted in his wealth rather than in God. And so, as we look at his foolishness, 
What does wisdom tell us through the teaching of that parable of Jesus? Well, to live life in the complete opposite. So a quick three-part outline, which could be another sermon, which um, maybe we'll do here in a minute. First, give thanks to the Lord for every blessing. How do we walk in wisdom rather than the godless foolishness of our world? We recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, James chapter 1. There's nothing that you've received that hasn't come come to you from God's kind providence. Expressions of his grace to you. Give thanks to the Lord. Rather than buy the lie of our culture and thinks you've, you've accumulated these things for yourself. Second, steward your resources for the glory of God and the good of others. We looked at how the rich fool just piled up all of these riches and just sat on top of it like a mountain of accomplishment. And instead, what we see, the teaching of the whole Bible, particularly in the New Testament, the way Jesus teaches us to steward our resources, is that word itself, steward. We realize that the things that we possess, we don't really possess them, lest they possess us. But the things that we possess, we've been entrusted for this time to use them for God's glory and for the good of other people. So we get our eyes off of self and we look to others. And then finally, we trust in the Lord rather than riches. And guys, we're told all day, every day, the, the, gospel, the false gospel of self. This is the false gospel of our culture. The gospel of self. I'm the center of the universe. I'm good enough, strong enough. I will self-affirm my way. Well, you can self-affirm your way all the way to hell and miss the goodness of God because you think you are enough. And so we want to trust the Lord rather than riches. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. We're going to read verses 17 to 19. The Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor in a very wealthy city similar to the demographic of Collin County. And guys, let me just say this. I love Collin County. I love everything about living here. I love how God in his common grace has chosen to entrust us with so much resource. I I do mean financial resource, but I mean much more than that. With the people who live here, people who lead out in industries across the business world, across education, Uh, involved in politics, people involved in changing the world. I love living here. We've got to be aware there's also some things. There's this large dragon that walks our streets, like I said earlier. So how do we deal with materialism in a way that honors the Lord while we enjoy the culture that we live in? I don't mean to vilify the culture of our county at all, but I do want to honor the Lord as we live here together, seeking to honor him. So how do we do that? Well, the Apostle Paul teaches us. Are you there? First Timothy chapter 6? Nod your head if you're there. Okay. 
As for the rich in this present age, pause. Right there, about half of you just thought, well, that's not me. I'm not the rich of the present age. And I'm telling you, you are in the top 1% of global income in the whole world. You. So say, together with me, I am the rich in the present age. Go ahead. Okay, so that's all of us. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. So don't be haughty about it. I heard some pretentiousness in some of your voices when you just said it. (laughs) Don't be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty or foolishness of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The false gospel of our culture says that human flourishing is he who dies with the most toys wins. The message of Christ is he who dies in Christ will never lose. My dear friends Keith and Kristen Getty wrote a hymn some years ago called My Worth is Not in What I Own. And uh, when we first planted the trails, uh, being in this place, being in the affluence of Collin County, I thought this could be one of the most helpful songs for us to regularly sing to remind us of that truth. Even in selecting a title for this sermon, I know many of you are note takers and you have your own special pen and your notebook. And I I wanted you to write those words. My worth is not in what I own. Just as a reminder to your own soul. Uh, When we sing it, it's one of my favorite songs we sing together. I feel like we're doing battle in the spiritual realm in doing so reminding one another what is fundamentally true because of Christ. Reminding one another that your worth is not in what you own. Your worth is not in what you do or what you haven't done. Your worth is not in where you get a paycheck. Your worth is not in a future version of yourself. Your worth is in Christ. The lyrics are this. My worth is not in what I own. Not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds that flow at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. As summer flowers we fade and die, fame, youth, and beauty hurry by, but life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness, my value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. And so what then? I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul, I will trust in him, no other. 
My soul is satisfied in him alone. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who give thanks to you for every blessing, that we would steward the resources that you've entrusted to us for your glory and for the good of others. And God, for our hearts that are prone to wonder and prone to forget, let us trust in you rather than riches. And in so doing, take hold of that which is truly life. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org. 